Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch and joining me this evening are David Shapiro from Assassin Securities and Dwayne McCurry from FNB Wealth and Investments. If you'd like to send us questions, please SMS 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag mm. Stockwatch. David, Wayne, good evening to you both. Um, David, I'll start with you tonight. Not a great overall day on the markets uh, in terms of where we close on the All Share Index. But a much better day for the RAND. Um, and funnily enough, um, it was Ashraf Mohammed who picked the RAND as his stock pick on Monday. Um, so he must be feeling quite gleeful. Mm. Why are we on such a tear um, all of a sudden? Just in very, it's the dollar. The dollar's under pressure. Inflation number was lower than everybody expected. You know, we can go into that in more detail. But um, as a result of that, the dollar fell, the RAND improved, but the RAND improved something like 2.5%. So it was a major improvement. And of course, that knocked our market. Overall, our market was very strong. Retailers were up and, and local, local stocks did well. But uh, on translation of uh, the weaker RAND, uh, it caused havoc with the, with the index. You know, Mondi, which was 4.8% up in London, ended up 0.3% up in Joburg. Mm. So that's the kind of movements... Uh, uh, that you got. But I, I think it's something to celebrate rather than to uh, be wary of. Yeah. I mean, Wayne, um, and this is an entirely personal question, <laughs> because I, <laughs> would you, if you were buying, if you were taking your money offshore and you see 16, 16, would you think that's not a bad level, especially when you saw 17, 20, um, <laughs> what, 10 yeah. days ago, um, and especially for those of us who ended converting at 1693. <laughs> Fair value <clears throat> is somewhere between 15 and 16. I didn't expect it to get to 16. I thought it would only get there sort of when the, I suppose, when interest rate peak, the interest rate increases stopped, which is probably towards the end of the year. But, you know, it's very strong. It's not a bad time to take money overseas. I mean, as I said, I still think fair value is between 15 <laughs> excuse me, and 16. <coughs> oh, excuse me. But uh, it's not. A, it's certainly better than seventeen plus. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and just on that inflation figure, um, what was it? It was eight, um, eight and a half percent. So it's come down from just over nine percent. It seemed to be better than what people were expecting, and there was no month-on-month -month change or increase in inflation. Do you think it's peaked, or is it actually impossible to say at this point? I mean, you'd be foolish well, to call it a forecast. I suppose it is impossible to say, but, you know, food prices are off 15, 20%. The oil price is off 15, 20% from its peak. Uh, you still got the so-called, what's it, shelter or rental expense, which that won't come down for a while in America. But in March next year, we're going to see inflation probably below 4 and maybe even below 3%. I know their target's 2%, but, you know, Oil could probably go to 70, and food is food is going to carry on falling. So we are going to see reasonably low inflation, both in America and South Africa, somewhere in the middle of next year. But, I mean, if the Ukraine-Russia conflict persists, and it persists over the Northern Hemisphere winter, is that not going to be the sticking point? So you're seeing oil come down now. Is it not going to spike back up again? I mean, David, do you have any fears? Do that we know this? You know, the fact that you're discussing it is not an unknown factor in the market. You know, I don't, I don't think this is going to be a shock 
So, and I'm sure provisions are being made, you know, it depends on how severe the weather is. I mean, there's another severe situation that the Ryan is drying up and they can't transport goods. So, I mean, you get all kinds of situations. I, I think the market is already pricing these things in. Um, there would have been a, a, a kick up in gas prices. You know, oil prices, gasoline prices, which is the U.S. petrol prices, come down dramatically. And I think in August you're going to get another uh, lunge downwards in in um, in inflation. So the big question now is, what does the Fed do? Inflation is still high. Is it 75 points or 50 points? So that's the big debate mm. that's happening at the moment. I don't think the Fed is going to stop raising rates completely, but it's it's the pace and the size of of, of rates that has got the market excited. Um, Wayne, is it foolish also, so if we um, are talking about foolish forecasts for inflation, is it foolish to, to try and guess what the Fed does? I mean, or should you just say, oh, whether it's 50, whether it's 75 basis points, I'm just going to look at the underlying fundamentals of the company that I want to invest in and just let that wash over me. Well, look, the, the interest rates are still a little bit behind the inflation rate, but the Fed, you know, they obviously you've got a good idea of what they think inflation is going to do and they will still increase interest rates maybe not 0.75 maybe only a half now but the 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 number at 8.5 i mean it's still a 40-year high and it's still an incredibly high number and it's only slightly better than what the market was anticipating so it's not as though this came as the shot out of the blue Mm. the market was was anticipating this Mm. okay um, well, moving um, away from inflation into questions, uh, I mean, if we talk about uh, some of the, the, the stocks that declined on the JSE today, there were some fairly big moves downwards. Um, and I think Naspass and Process um, didn't have a very good day. Process down 3.5%. And the question was, what's the reason that Process has declined more than 11% over the last 10 trading days? Um, Wayne, keeping with you, is it because they have been very active buying back their shares? I didn't actually realize... Yeah, I didn't realize that maybe it was that quantum down over, yeah, over the last look, while. It's, it's, it's always difficult to evaluate a share on a given day. It's up, given so many days, it's up so much and down so much. I mean, process has come from 700 rand to 1,200 rand literally in a month and a half. Now it's gone from 1,200 to 1,100. I, I don't see anything abnormal in that, to be honest. You know, it, it, it has fallen 10% since the end of July, but, you know, after that big run, it's not, I don't think it's anything unusual. Yeah, there's no particular story that came out for this fall. I mean, David, do you get, um, are you fearful that any time the share buybacks stop, um, by, by the, that, that you're going to see a, a, a dribbling down of the share price again? So these buybacks have to continue into perpetuity um, or, or there's going to be, you know, the, the floor underneath the share price is going to fall away. I didn't see last week's, so I think they published it yesterday, the amount of shares, but they've been very, very steady buyers. And of course, that's had a, an uplifting effect, but eventually it starts to uh, uh, lose momentum. I mean, they can't keep this up indefinitely. Also, Tencent hasn't been in a, a rock star. Tencent has been under pressure and I think some of the other tech names also um, losing a little bit of momentum. So I think some of the fundamentals are playing out uh, now. And then we have the RAND today. You know, the RAND, the RAND would have taken off uh, 
quite a bit big slice of uh, some of the gains or, or, or positioning of, of uh, mouse person process. Do you have a, quite a clear sense of what the end game is for Bob van Dijk and his team for NASPAS process? I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I, eventually, uh, I, I don't know where they're going. Um, it's, it's, from my point of view, it's very difficult to read. I know that they're trying to close the gap and they've gone a long way doing that by uh, selling effectively selling 10 cents and buying 10 cents in another form at a much lower rate but i mean at the end of the day you want a functioning company you know you want a company that's got strong underlying assets that are going to give you uh, uh sustainable earnings you know that's what we look for at the moment this is uh, financial engineering mm. wayne i mean uh... yeah yeah it, look, it, the, it, in, you... the end game to me there's this there's there's two things yeah they're not going to embark in any new uh, venture. They're not going to start something new that's going to suck out billions and billions and billions over the next five years. They're going to concentrate on what they've got. And the big one that they've got there is obviously uh, food delivery that they've got to either make profitable or, or get rid of. I have every confidence they, every confidence they can make it profitable. But the end game is to take the businesses that they've got now that are still in the startup phase and are making losses, give them sufficient capital to get to a profitable situation, and then the discount should unlock naturally. I mean, the market's not that good at valuing a, 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 a very unknown future. I mean, of course, the future is unknown, but when a company is just taking in billions and billions and billions, what value do you put in it? And that's why you've seen these massive variations in NASPAS's share price and Netflix and, and a lot of a lot of companies. Mm. So the, the end game is to take their businesses and make it profitable and either then be recognized in the share price or spin them out and list them separately. The moment they stop absorbing cash and make profits and start generating cash. Yeah. Julieta, you know, if you if you analyze and that that's the problem. I mean if you still analyze the company, we'll see it in the next set of results. Tencent still makes up like 110% of their profits. <laughs> Everything else is taking away 10%. So don't get away from that. And they've got to adjust that. You know, they, they've got to make sure that that doesn't continue, um, and which is what Wayne's saying. They've got to turn those minus 10% into plus 10, plus 20, and take away the dependency mm. uh, on, ten, uh, on, on, on Tencent, which I suppose is the end game. But I don't think Wayne's 100% right. They're not going to start embarking on on any small acquisitions with the hope that they can turn them into something big. Yeah, because also, I mean, one of the theories, I suppose, is that they could use their share price. I mean, they could use their paper to do uh, to do deals, but they can't because they trade at such no. a big discount. So, mm -hmm. that, you know, that's that's not exactly. an avenue uh, available to them. So they have to sweat their assets. Um, mm -hmm. OK, we're moving on from process to Nedbank, which came out with results today, which uh, which are pretty damn good. Um, the question is, Nedbank's interims uh, came out today. The share price went up nicely when the market opened, but then suddenly went down. Why? They did declare a dividend of <laughs> 7 Rand 83, but I cannot find a reason for a decline in the share price today. Is that just yeah. the stronger Rand and then the dampening effect it had on the overall yeah. markets? What was it? No. If you look at those results and you take away the North African operations, their uh, African operations, it was a modest gain which is probably where they're going to go from now on. So I think they were a little flattered, you know, by the 27%. But 
probably a more normalized gain would have been nine or ten percent. Uh, and if they can maintain that, that's very good. So I don't, you know, it's 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 a good result, but I think that it had been anticipated. The dividend is strong, and you're on a now, I think, almost close to 8% dividend yield, which I think is the attraction. Uh, if they can even go forward at moderate pace, um, paying these kind of dividends, then that's where the attraction is going to be. You know, you're going to get a, a 7 or 8% dividend yield that's increasing each year. Yeah. But don't expect high growth. And I think that's maybe why the market would have been disappointed. Okay. Um, Wayne, uh, not to sort of dwell too much on the banks, because I don't want to preempt you for the end of the show. But um, on NetBank's results, you know, David was saying you've got a great dividend yield. So that's, I suppose, reason to buy them. Does it worry you that their credit loss ratios could start going up? Because they really are, you know, after having provided so much in the COVID period, and I think what NetBank's is, what, 85 basis points? Um, uh, you know, 0.85, it's, it's incredibly low. Is this kind of yeah. a risk that they start um, increasing and then that's going to crimp earnings? Look, the, the, obviously, the, all the banks have overprovided for bad debts. I mean, they didn't know any different. I mean, it was a, a first-time experience for everyone what happened during lockdown. But there's still some fat there. Probably another year before that will go up. But it has to go up. I mean, you know, bad debts will go through a cycle, I don't know, from 0.8 to 1.3 or 1.5% of book. So it will come back. And obviously, higher interest rates will put more pressure on that. But for the next year or so, there's no issues. There's still enough reserves. Okay. And of course, the banks are fully capitalized. And that's why you've but got the... Wayne, it's been a feature. Uh, yeah, and I know you've mentioned it so often. One of the features um, during the downturn that we've seen during the COVID period and also during the last six months, we've had no bankruptcies. We've had no insolvencies. There've been no, I'm talking globally. There's yeah. no major company that has been under pressure like we saw, you know, like we have seen in other uh, financial crises or other downturns and that. And I think it's quite, a, quite an incredible feature that companies are in the position that they are, even householders are in the positions that they are to actually get through this very tough period. I sort of wonder if the you are we not seeing that in South Africa? I, I mean, we maybe not not uh, large companies, but smaller companies, not you know not listed companies, mom and pop shops. I wonder what the the situation I don't is. Know. Out there. No, look, there must there must have been many mm. many entertainment restaurants that that that, that, that have just closed. I, I certainly is one or two restaurants around here that were you know, alive and well pre-lockdown and they tried to open up, but they've all closed down. So, but it's no big corporate. So, I mean, obviously we've got Kwame and that, that yeah. affected NetBank, but there's no big corporates. Mm-hmm. You know, the Tongot was a self-inflicted wound. You know, yeah. it wasn't as a, as a result of trading. That was something that, that was coming, you know. But, uh, I mean, over and above that, you know, you haven't heard of, of any shocks, uh, major shocks. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. And well, globally, globally as well, yeah. Um, in the absence of questions, because either everyone's on holiday or they're as, <laughs> they're as discombobulated <laughs> as the three of us. I, I mean, we know it's Wednesday night because we gather on Wednesday night, but I have no idea what day of the week it is. It is very, very confusing um, to be at work. Uh, I don't know if it's Monday or Sunday or something. Um, so, uh, but David, you were saying that uh, while we were chatting during the break, that volumes have been sort of dribbling back a bit. Mm. And there was a line um, in the quilter results 
um, or uh, a commentary on the quarter results which came out today uh, and the shares came off quite a lot, quarter being the UK private client wealth management business. Um, and Paul Feeney, the CEO, said clients are stepping back from discretionary investments. Do you get the sense that's happening in the JSE as well? I, I, I think the JSE is just very, very quiet. I just think that there's limited interest. Um, one would think that with the kind of movements that we've been seeing, even during the fear of time, in a fear times, that there would have been a big sell-off. But we've had very, very, very limited uh, trading. So uh, volumes are, are exceptionally low. Um, at times of closeouts, you know, futures closeout, yes, things pick up. But I would have thought like a day today where, uh, where, where there was so much interest, so much happening, that we'd start to see traders coming in and a lot more volume. And yet we were under 20 billion. Mm. So I know the JSE had some good numbers, but I'm surprised it's certainly not coming from the equity market. It must be coming from other areas that they're making their money. Mm. Wayne, just mm. on Coulter's results, do you ever give them, um, yeah. do you ever look at them? Yes, I did, yeah. Look, it's, it's difficult to evaluate an asset management company in a bear market. I mean, they, their assets under management dropped by 12%, which is a big number. Mm. But they had, so let's just say they've got 100 billion odd under management now. It was, you know, 112 billion. But virtually all of that loss is adverse market movements. So in a bear market, you know, it's difficult to measure it. I mean, they've done reasonably well in containing the cost increases on, you know, declining revenue because their revenue is based almost entirely on assets under management or administration, that they still, you know, only had a very small uh, decrease in earnings per share. So I think they actually managed the ship quite well in a bear market. But it's tough. It's tough in a bear market for an asset manager. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can see that graph. So, and I suppose that's exactly the same as what you would see on coronation um, mm, uh, not yes. so much Signia. Um, I'm trying to think of the other, the, the sort of the listed yeah. asset management companies. Um, they uh, might, is might there any reason flows, to buy something like this now? But you might get cash flow. You know, the flows might go from the equity market into fixed interest or into cash or into other products. It's got to go somewhere. Um, so I don't know the product range of Quilter and why they would have been hurt, you know, that much. Um, I don't know I mean, enough about, about what they do. seems to trade between 20 and 40. Mm. And, you know, it's reasonably close to 20 now. You know, maybe it's not, maybe, maybe we should consider the asset managers in this type of environment, mm. consider buying them. Well, Listen, people are under-invested in equities. There's, 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 yes. the, if this equity market starts to creep higher, Suddenly you start to itch and feel a little uncomfortable, you know, and now and then, you know, you keep saying, oh, well, this is going to fall again and it doesn't keep falling. And I'm not suggesting it. I'm not, you know, overall, I mean, I'm, I'm bullish, but not wildly bullish. Then people start to feel uncomfortable. Then they've got to start buying some equity exposure. And, uh, you know, you'll see you'll see those asset managers improving. You'll see money flowing back into, uh, you know, into equity products. But for the meantime, a huge amount is left has left equity, you know, has left the equity market. Mm.
Well, I mean, if the lack of questions tonight is any indication <laughs> of the sentiment, I'd say it's very <laughs> dur indeed. Um, so I'm just going to have to come up with my own questions. Why mm. would anyone buy a chunk of conduit capital is what I wondered aloud earlier um, on Twitter. Um, conduit capital, uh, which you must have seen, has been placed under curatorship, uh, provisional curatorship, um, because of, I suppose, the holdings of its... Um, its assets, yeah. um, you know, relative to its liabilities, because it held got insurance. Yeah, it's yeah got a whole bunch of really weird yeah. stuff. This is Constantia Insurance, um, yeah. and then all of a sudden, it seems as if someone has bought a chunk of it. But there is suggestion that it's actually just transferred from Sean Riskovitz to a brokerage. <laughs> I don't know if you have any thoughts on this. Uh, not really. Look, it's not uh, a company I'll follow. Yeah, I, I, I just think that. Poor old uh, Sean has tried to make himself into a mini Buffett, but not with quite the same aplomb. So, um, but but you know, I, I don't I don't understand the problem with Constantia because it's not a bad company, and I'm not quite sure why they couldn't raise capital or uh, get capital to to prop up their assets because there's some good operations you know in the uh, underneath that uh, you know underneath that. Um, uh, insurance companies. So it's a bit of a mystery that they didn't raise capital and, and got into the situation that they have. And and I'm sure they will get out of it. I'm sure they'll be able to find someone to come in and, uh, you know, give, give, give sufficient capital to get them out of this position. It's yeah. not a bad business. Mm. Yeah, well, I suppose some of the, the risk of its purchases were definitely bad uh, ideas, things like Trust Co. and <laughs> Taste Holdings. Um, okay, but, uh, but, but thank goodness there is a question to save us, <laughs> because I'm sure there'll be some angry emails from him. Um, could you kindly ask David and Wayne their thoughts on BASF? Uh, the German multinational chemical company mm. and the largest chemical producer in the world. The share was trading around 70 euros last year, April, and is currently around 44 euros. Is it a steal? Wayne, any thoughts? Well, I would think longer term, yes. I mean, obviously, if you're in the chemicals business and you're in new manufacturing, your costs in Europe for energy and inputs have gone totally and utterly through the roof. But that is temporary. I mean, you're not going to, this isn't going to continue forever. And I think it probably is a good buying opportunity, to be honest. Yeah. David, has this come across I've, your I've, screen ever? Strangely enough, I haven't, I haven't had a look at it for some time. I'm just, uh, I, he, I'm looking on the screen. At the, yeah, didn't it, they you know, do a deal with Monsanto? Am I, am I correct in thinking that? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pass on this one before I get myself into trouble. I know the company so well, but I, I haven't had a close look uh, for some time. It, w it would have been nice to, to have given us warning ahead so we could have looked up something. <laughs> you know, the questions come as we take them. So um, yeah, well, we take them as they come. So uh, yeah. uh, sorry. But maybe uh, some homework you know, for the one week of these, ahead. It's one of these businesses that has been around for so long and they're so steady, you know, and, 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 and I'm a bit surprised that it's fallen that much. But I think it's probably in line with other European manufacturing businesses. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so getting to your stock picks this evening, um, Wayne, going back to you, uh, so we hinted at it, one of the banks, um, and your pick is actually Absa. So why of the, yeah. the five banks that you could buy, would you buy Absa? It's just the cheapest rated of all the banks. I like, I like all the banks. I mean, we saw NetBank's results. We've spoken about it a little bit. I mean, you're going to get 7 8% dividend yield here. 
fantastic. Their single-digit PE APSA's the APSA is the lowest of 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 the two between NetBank. Um, this is just good value for money, and you're going to, I think, be quite comfortable with your return on a two to three year basis, because interest rates will fall next year, sometime the end of next year. Business should pick up. Hopefully, we all get electricity. Hopefully. <laughs> Things start functioning a bit better, and we start getting economic growth. You know, above two percent, two and a half percent, and also all the banks is going to be an enormous investment into this uh, energy infrastructure. I mean, this is going to be hundreds of billions, if not a trillion, over the next five to eight years, and it's certainly going to probably be over three years, one hundred and fifty billion, and the banks are going to finance it. Yeah. So they're going to get some volume growth, even though the economy itself. Is not growing so well. So yeah, I still like the banks. So okay. Still think it's good value. David, how about you? I I was looking at Disney today because I think Disney is probably one of the most what an incredibly strong brand that doesn't have to do anything to increase its market share. You know, just simply its name. And I think that conditions are starting to improve now. This was absolutely hammered in line with. Uh, um, in line with Netflix, so uh, I, I just think that if you're really looking for a low-value stock, you know, uh, Disney is um, Disney at these levels attractive. And yeah. just very briefly, while Wayne was talking, I looked up BASF, and just looking at analyst reports, they see something like a 30% increase over the next year. So there you are. Okay. All right. Well, That's thanks fine. for doing a little bit of a <laughs> sneaky homework. Yeah. Um, we have to leave it there, unfortunately. David Wayne, thanks for joining us this evening. Right. David Shapiro is from Assessment Securities. Wayne McCurry is from FNB Wealth and Investments. And we'll be back tomorrow night with Stockwatch. Have a good evening.